what's up guys welcome to episode two of walasaha i am david narales and i just want to express my sincere gratitude to all those who have listened from across the globe um to the podcast i do appreciate you joining me but let's get right into the episode yeah no doubt we will be talking about 2020 for this entire generation and even if we choose to suppress our consciousness of this event in the next 20 years we'll definitely be needing to reference it um, as it relates to just economics and politics especially if you happen to be global south developing country previously colonized by a non-european superpower you know that you know the vibe and i was just looking back at my top nine posts on Instagram for 2020 and I saw beach days, I saw conference rooms, I saw 14 hour TV studio days, missed that very much. But I also saw protest days. You know, for me, my closest friends are the people who support my advocacy and activism wherever they are in the world. Um, and But these are the people who also put boots on the ground and really, do it with their chest. So instead of a regular review of 2020, I wanted to do one that spoke to people power, resilience, grit, and you know who I am. So this shouldn't be wildly surprising to you. So let's review those political movements, shall we? So now we have several that happened globally. And the first one I wanted to look at was the climate change protest. And these were led by young persons like Vanessa Nakate, Greta Thunberg. It was really a clarion call to governments, both people and administration, to pay attention to the climate emergency that is affecting us. The major storms, the rising sea levels, the incessant droughts, the floods caused by equally incessant rains, um, destroyed roads by mudslides, we saw that in Jamaica, um, collapsing culverts, we see that at home in Belize, oh no no, the road with the collapsing culvert that cut off the west from the eastern side of Belize, yeah. Flooding crops affected access to water and all these sound very familiar to us and so the climate marches were really just to bring attention to the fact that we only have one planet there is no planet b at least not right now and we don't know if we go as a human species so we we gotta we gotta get it together you know then there was a black lives matter protest and we know the world was up in arms to once again simply agree that you know maybe black people human too and this was really sparked or climaxed by the live online murder of george floyd rest in peace by an officer influenced by the tiki torch white ideology of black people being second-class citizens that are inherently evil and more violent than the next the officer happened to be a white man as well there are several of these cases that we can quote in the context of the United States of America, but I also ask us to look into our own neighborhoods and countries. We we'll ask each other for check yourself and check our own biases. You put your chain 
If you're jewelry away when you're in a certain neighborhoods, you clutch your purse tighter when you're in a certain neighborhoods. You cross the road and you see somebody will look a certain kind of way, will have a certain kind of um, features. Who is being stopped and frisked the most in your neighborhoods? What does your prison population demographics look like? Who do you feel unsafe around when you're on public transport? And if you need a razzle dazzle, um, Google extra judicial killings followed by a country's name and see what kind of faces pop up. And you can use it as a, the extra sensitization exercise, just, just so you know. And then that brings me directly into um, the fight of the youth of Nigeria who called for an end of the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, SARS. You may know this as the end SARS protest. And really it was, it became a space for you to vent their anger with people who have been in charge of Nigeria for decades and to demand change. That was what was special about NSARS because yes, it was about police reform, but it was also about good governance and a loud and clear message to those people who have been in charge for decades that young people want change and as one protester clearly put it did not inherit the silence of their parents um, who as Maya Angelou put were too proud to bend too poor to break I have to say my solidarity goes out to comrades in Nigeria especially those who were shot and even more so those who were killed on October 20th um, while singing the national anthem, peaceful sitting protest, um, security forces opened fire with live rounds, and not rubber bullets, live rounds. My heart goes out to Nigeria. And then finally, there's the abortion rights law in Argentina. So the Argentine Senate recently approved the abortion rights bill that would allow pregnancy termination up to 14 weeks into the pregnancy, right? And this was, I think, really such a salient victory for women in the region where deaths by home pregnancy is high, where socioeconomic environment is already very unfavorable for they, them themselves. Um, and then even more so to bring a child into that situation. Um, very often, I know this is something that is, is a very touchy topic and often very disagreeable, but being, you know, a woman myself, um, I know that women are often shamed for being sexual beings and being a convent girl, I can tell you that um, we were definitely deprived of, of comprehensive sexuality education in high school. Um, because of our just Catholic-led school system, right? And some girls who became pregnant were shamed that they kept the baby, shame if they attempted to abort the baby, shame if they lost the baby, just like if they lost the child. So what are you like? What are your turn in that situation? Because every option, damn if you do, damn if you don't. And. I just, I just want somebody to help me understand and make it make sense that if you deprive young people of comprehensive sexuality education and then they fall into um, situations that are unplanned, pregnancies, etc., how 
how how are you going to deprive me of information and then like criminalize me essentially for making a decision that could have been prevented if i was well informed what was also funny about you know just the argentine change in laws is that the pope the leader of the roman catholic church comes from argentina um and i just thought it was very ironic and you know just a very like pivotal piece of information to tell other countries that hey you know if the country the pope comes from can do this and make such progressive moves then we can maybe all get some sense eventually right but of course the struggle continues especially in the caribbean in my own home country um, of belize the struggle continues for these rights now belize had you know similar and smaller protests for climate change and for black lives matter the fridays for future which is a climate change one was led by abby godoy our now road scholar attending oxford university an act of resistance in and of itself and Black Lives Matter, led by grassroots community organizer, Yaya Marin Coleman. Kudos to those points of light and all who supported them. Of course, I know Yaya, um, there's a there's an iconic photo of her in front of the US Embassy um, with a banner of George Floyd's face. And I know she can tell some stories about how difficult that was to even host that, that sort of protest. I hope she shares that with the world someday. As for SARS and GSU, um, now recently rebranded, um, and abortion rights stuff as it relates to Belize, I think we live in our dual police state and theocracy at the same time. Um, and maybe we're just not there yet. I feel like we're closer than we have ever been to address these issues. Um, but the police state thing is something that, of course, is very close to my heart, as is the abortion rights. But if you read my blog, you know that I write a lot about um, violence and violent communities. And that's probably just because of where I come from. And because my community has been incessantly um, had police intervention. Um, with state of emergencies and I just have a secret, you know, I think this is a secret for everybody listen. State of emergencies don't work. They don't solve anything, at least not on their own. Um, crime happens as a consequence of social issues and it what police intervention does, especially in the way that it is done in Belize. It just increases tension between police and these communities, expends unnecessary tax dollars and it just doesn't solve crime i mean police recorded for the first time since 2013 a number lower than what is considered to be civil war carnage which is i think 30 per 100,000. that's the rate right we're currently not very far from that 30 we're at 24.33 per 100k even with 2020 being the lowest um lowest since 2001 and lowest recorded during the past decade in terms of murders belize city where all the state of emergencies have happened still recorded the same number of murders it did in 2019 with 47 people being killed and belize city also constitute constituted sorry a higher percentage of the national total in 2020 than it did in 2019 
Belize is the only Belize city, and I dare say South Side Belize city is the only place where state of emergencies happen. And if you do not believe me, you can take a look at the Belize Crime Observatory website for more information on that. I watched some of the TV stations probably conveniently exclude protests that happen in Belize from their year in review. Um, it was just probably just because of the volume of news, but I think protests were a huge thing to have highlighted. So I am here to fill the gap. Let's do that. All right, so first things first, in filling in the gap, we deal with one of the largest movements of people I have seen in my lifetime outside of like Carnival, probably. I really miss Carnival. <sighs> COVID. But, you know, this protest was really born out of dissatisfaction over many things. And the NTUCB, that's the National Trade Union Congress of Belize, the umbrella organization of unions in Belize, had a damn list on February 17th um, that they presented to the public and the media leading up to their February 20th um, demonstrations under the slogan, only the people can save the people. And the list included like several things, right? that they wanted to be done before elections. But if you know um, elections did happen, November 11th, um, government administration, the party that administrates the government changed from the United Democratic Party, who were in power since 2008, till their defeat in 2020 by the People's United Party. So this is some of the things that kind of happened, right? Um, or that the unions wanted no elections until the implementation of campaign finance laws that mandate for several things like that abc and we know we're through all of that but um one of the larger ones or the major ones for me was that politicians or political parties disclose an official donors list during campaign periods no believe not going to legislation for any of this so politicians are mandated to do any of this and uh, the only politician that i think revealed her campaign financing um information was an independent candidate at running belmopan and a banner guy but nobody else did that um so this has to be backed up by legislation but we move on they didn't want elections until the reconvening of the UNCAC steering committee. The UNCAC is the United Nations Convention Against Corruption. And they also wanted police to start implementing the recommendations that came out of the UNCAC process. They also wanted no elections until the immigration department um, tabled a Senate report. No elections until the restructuring on, of the Integrity Commission and Public Accounts Committee. Um, no elections until implementation of sanctions or penalties on people who did not comply with the provisions of the finance and report audit report. And of course, the saga of the time is mandated that they said they didn't want any elections until an independent investigation um, happened into the alleged wrongdoing of former minister John Saldiver, who was the former minister of national security. And all, 
all other named public officials, public servants, individuals. This that we can do a whole episode on the fall from grace of Mr. John Saldiver. Um, but just to jog a memory a little bit, this that the, all the Lev Derman vibes, yes, when the word tranche entered into our vocabulary as a Belgian people, and all the yes, but they enough tanks text, yeah, that that were at my boat. Um, but again, there's not very much legislation to back any of this up, and there was an intense loss of energies. But I think it was still an important part because the unions came together and signed a document later on in the year, um, pledging to work together to be watchdogs for government. So it was there was still a win out of that, still a good outcome. I hope to see this ramp back up again, even um, with the new government, because there are still things that they um, can do to sort of rectify and advance Belize's good governance record. Um, then there was the Nigel Patil protest. Um, and it was less about him and more about land. He's a land activist who led Big A into the creation of Harmonyville and then formed Lands. Lands is the Land Advocacy Movement for National Development and Sustainability. And the first target of this movement was a plot of land at mile 44. Now, Love News reported that nearly 1,000 people showed up to this gathering, actually defying pandemic SRE regulations, which were first instituted in about April of last year. Now, while that wasn't a very rational decision, um, and we could definitely know that that wasn't a rational decision um, during a global pandemic, with a government that clearly was incapable of sh- steering that ship, I always maintain that there is something deeper to be said about one thousand people showing up to a plot of land on the highway with no guarantees whatsoever just because they want an option if any government needed a signal as to one of the issues that people had as belizeans to me that was it so um, again a great thing born out of just people gathering and showing that hey you know this is an issue i have and this is a concern i have and so have to give thanks to Nigel patia for leading the charge on that one and then came the protests at the University of Belize um, by its faculty and staff union and students. This happened on July 9th, 2020. Of course, with the pandemic came a lot of unveiling of the issues we have been having um, that can no longer be be pruned up by cosmetic fixes. Um, And that included issues with our education system and industry. And really, I look at labor laws and how we should approach those things. Now, budget cuts from the university then forced the administration of the university to try to find ways to meet these shortfalls that happened. And, you know, the national university that seems to have been stagnated in its own scholarship, you know, just decided to weaken its staff stability with no consultation. Now, you know, a lot of issues starting in the world because people just don't want to talk to each other. And really, in many cases, our people want 
that to be engaged about issues that affect them. That's the our people want. You know what? In a, every type of relationship you could think about in the world, from the smallest or to the most personal to the most um, the most industrial relationships, all people want to be is included in consultation and engage about the issues that affect them and meaningfully engage. That's what caused that issue at the UB, and I know that. Um, that issues have since waned out i know things are advocacy never stops so there are still things to be worked out but i think that was a major major set of protests that that um really mark just how we should treat our education system and those that operate within it all the stakeholders because i know that we put a lot of focus on early childhood development and then you know just it starts to wane as we move up the educational wrongs you know then you know this one is one that means so very much to me so i'll spend a bit of time on it this was the protest of the stevedores at the waterfront oh my gosh history this that this if anything she was written down written down in belizean history books it should be this I saved this one for last because it extends the lifetime of all the aforementioned protests. It's one of my greatest joys and honors to have been a part of it. And it is really a part of the great process of people power, of black people power. And it was a really gaping and stark reminder of Belize's long history of racism and capitalist rule. Capitalist rule, sorry. No. This is BC, this is before Corona. So you know how I have before crisis or before Corona, right? It was at the end of February, 2020, a protest started at the Port of Belize Limited by the stevedores. And um, if you're not familiar with that term, that is just the dock workers who, you know, remove cargo from ships. For us, it's mainly sugar, but of course, there are all different types of cargo. It was in, it was in response to two large sugar corporations discussing the rerouting of sugar from Belize City to Big Creek, I believe it was, which is like 100 miles south of Belize City. Of course, that would destabilize people's jobs. Um, but it was also about the fin finalization of a collective bargaining agreement that hadn't been touched since 2004. That's 16 motherfucking years. Um, so with this, sitting protests began, began, and you know, one of the, the most beautiful things that happened is that people began to bring meals. So this progressed over days and days, weeks and weeks. And people from the community, people from across the country started to donate, bring meals. It was really just a beautiful place to be in. Um, and a beautiful show of solidarity. It's it was it was gorgeous. Um, then April came, and it came with a state of emergency lockdown, of which capitalist as they are decided to took to take advantage of um, of that situation. They decided that they were going to cut staff, um, cut laborers and staff, right? So there's a distinction there. Um, and then cut their substantive salaries by 10%. And I think also taking away their bonuses, right? Again, without consultation, 
with the representative union, the Christian Workers Union. On the claim that COVID has severely affected the port's revenue by 41%, without disclosure of the financial statements, the union legal representatives and, and financial stakeholders. Now, somebody may come to me and say, oh, hold on, the people may reveal their financials, right? To the public and i'm like nah 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 you're missing you're missing the point what the union wanted was for the port who they're supposed to be in a good partnership with to just reveal those financials and justify the cuts um to legal representatives it would never be asked for reveal it to the public when they ask for reveal it to people who are supposed to have a meaningful partnership with refuse to do that the port refused to do that on July 22nd, on the 101st anniversary of the Belizean World War One, veterans returning and having the historic 1919 uprising against um, racism that they experienced when they came back from fighting for the British, um, the Port of Belize staff joined the stevedores in their peaceful, peaceful protest. That, you know, didn't end well um, because on that day, 36 staff members were terminated, 29 of which were union members, four of which were union leaders. If that's not a union busting, I don't know what is. And you know how yeah, people get fired? They're not via a letter or a meeting. It's via text. So like when like if you get broke up with via text, that would have pissed off anybody, bro. Especially when you have to do your money. The gang suppression unit, now, like I said, rebranded to GI3, um, then fired tear gas and rubber bullets at the workers sitting on the ground in protest, leaving one man unresponsive. And I chuckled at it now, but it was, it was such a gross scene. You know, it's funny that on that day I wasn't there, I was up the road really um having a meeting i was just finished with a meeting i was supposed to come back um and i wasn't there but when i got there you could still smell the tear gas um it was i could hear people just so angry that the police would do something like that the gsu to add to this the minister of national security nor the commissioner of police knew nothing about this order to open fire into this crowd of people. Knew nothing of it. How is that? Shooting rubber bullets, which I've heard, actually heard, I mean, I'd have to hurt because it left one man unresponsive um, and tear gas into a peaceful protesting crowd of working individuals who keep the port moving, who keep our grocery stores stopped. Who really wields the power in that situation? Who made the call? We still don't know. We still don't know. Not completely. Um, the commanding officers of the GSU were given suspension um, and and or interdiction um, pending investigation. And finally, on August 2nd, the port workers, after 16 years, got their collective bargaining agreement. Of course, issues of restructuring still remain as it relates to um, movement of the sugar from one port to the next. But, you know, the struggle always continues in Akakasi. It never stops because capitalists never sleep. Um, 
one of the most jarring quotes that sticks with me from interviews with the president of the Christian Workers Union, Evan Moss Hyde, who is who happens to be a great friend, mentor, um, thought leader of mine. Um, he said this to the media. They want us to accept being relegated into oblivion, financial instability, and uncertainty, uncertainty, and to take that line down. We are saying here today that that is not the last story that will be written when it comes to waterfront people. Oh, every time I read that, every time I say that, it gives me immense pride um, to know that we never backed down and um, that we fought for what was ours and that we remain steadfast in that fight. Lovely, lovely um, piece of history there for every Belizean person and really everyone who engages in advocacy across the world. You can, of course, find more um, information, a more complete narrative um, on the Amanda website on July 25th, 2020, the day of outrage that was written by me, or on the NACLA website um, in an article named In Belize, A Win for Black Dock Workers that was published on November 11th, 2020, that was written by Alinde, we know her as Marcel Amaya, Alinde Marcel Amaya, and Julia Thomas. And I will, of course, put those links in the description of the podcast so you can definitely read those yeah as we close we we often ask what protests achieve um and for me what i have always told people is that conventional politicians only really respect numbers and so we must show them that um we can cite very many things and people and movements in the region. Um, we can cite Walter Rodney we, and the UA protest. We can cite Maurice Bishop. We can cite Sailor James. We can look at um, the Cuban re- revolution. We can look at Nani of the Maroons in Jamaica. We can look at Ronel King in Barbados. We can look at the students of SJCJC that staged a walkout of school when their classmates went missing. Protests are not mischief making. It's showing the politicians who's boss. As a good friend of mine, Annalise Young, she has a podcast called If You Never Know. You should listen to that. She's a sociologist as well. And she put it most beautifully on Twitter is that it's the boss knocking at the door to say, hello, hello, the game week, and if you step it up. Everyone was head again. Um, said something on the morning show the other day, and I think it was him quoting someone else. Um, in saying that we get what we organize for. And I go a bit further in saying that we must do that on the premise of people coming first and knowing our end game. Because if you don't know what you want, you can't plan for go for it. We have to always know what we want, right? Have to know the end game at all times. Big up, just uh, I have to say this, Big up to the government of Belize for the acknowledgement of Emancipation Day to be celebrated as a national holiday for the first time in Belize's nationhood, I believe. I believe. Um, it's a step in the right direction to just acknowledging the race conversations that we so need to have in this country. 
Um, but I have to um I have to also say something else, right? <laughs> and I, I did laugh, right? Because it's it's related to to what we've been talking about for this entire podcast. We all watched comically um, as the U.S. Citadel of Democracy was being insurrected by Trump loyalists. It was really like watching a zombie apocalypse for real, for real. And <laughs> I laughed so much on that day to my belly hurt. But seriously, it's, it's one that countries like ours that have been victim of America's terroristic foreign policy, looked at in awe. Um, it was a riot to really uphold white supremacy. It was canon can violence on a Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. It was like watching Michael Jackson's thriller video. America was on some serious auto cannibalism shit. And of course, you know, I had a belly full of laughter because I remembered Mike Pompeo coming to the Caribbean, to Guyana specifically, to check in. And we all know what he was checking in on. Um, and what he said was that, he said to the media, we know what makes a free and fair elections, end quote, in reference to the United States of America. And um, I have to say respectfully, Mr. U.S. Secretary of State, <clears throat> your people, as displayed on January 6th, do not know what makes a free and fair elections. So you probably should check that. I noticed, you know, in the semantics, and this is probably just semantics, but it's something that I have to say to government of Belize's response um, to that, what happened in Washington. And we said as a country, as a nation to the world, um, we condemn the quote, brazen attempt to interrupt constitutional order, end quote. Then, you know, homies, I just remember the press release about the Guatemalan Navy illegally traversing in Belize's waters and stopping scientists, not people where they swim up, not people where they fish, scientists from doing research. And the language was this, quote, strongly protest the unlawful incursion, end quote. No, I had to side-eye that because to me, Guatemala has been grossly brazen from 19 Holong, claiming my entire nation. And if you go check for their Twitter right now, right now, like as you listen to my voice, you will see a cover photo on their Twitter page with the Belizean map included and attached to Guatemala's map. If that don't disrespect, I don't know what is. And I just have to say that we must not be conveniently bembe. Like we can't, we can't do that. We can't be soft spoken about that which is ours, the whole 8,867 square miles of Belize. We have to keep the same energy. We gotta say shit with our chest. We have to say shit with our chest. The same way that we will speak about the democracy of the United States of America, or so they want us to believe, this is the same way we must speak and with the same vigor, with the same energy, with the same fiery 
um, energy, we must speak about Belize because I'd love to think, and I do believe, that Belize is more important preserving Belize is more important than, you know, preserving the United States of America. Of course, with globalization, we're all interconnected and we could get all academic about it. But the fact remains that I would like to see the same energy in our press releases as it relates to Guatemala, even if we're at the ICJ right now. And I ask my viewers to pay attention to that as well. We can't say put boots on the ground because, you know, well, <laughs> it's a thing called diplomacy. <laughs> Um, it's not my favorite thing, but diplomacy. <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for listening today. Let me know what you think about what was said today. Not afraid for link, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email. I know some of us are gung-ho about the formalities, so just reach out. Um, once again, just... Thanks for spending time. My name is Dominique Morales and we'll rendezvous here on Walasaha some other time, hopefully soon. Remember, always, you know the slogan here, stay curious. Bye.